0: and jacks a fantasy baseball podcast i am joe galina and you can follow me on twitter at joe galina and as always i'm joined by my talented co-host scott chu you can follow him at if the
1: chu fits how's it going scott i'm doing great uh you know scoobal my dude did not have a great day today but my love is still undying of of tarik scoobal I'm still very excited about his future. It was a tough start against a Cleveland team that platoons well, but you know what? It is what it is. I still got to watch baseball, and I'm a happy guy.
0: Absolutely, and and just for a reference point, we're recording this podcast on Saturday evening, April 10th, and and your Tigers are making some noise. Badu is all over the place. We talked about him a little bit last week, and
1: he's hot. Unbelievable, right? Now, Like he's cooled off, but that's only because... Like he was at the highest temperature you could possibly be. And so like cooling off, he's still doing well, super exciting. Right. But that's the whole point of the tigers this year is just see what young guys can do. You know, they're probably Mm -hmm. still a year or two away. So I'm just excited to see what, what some of these guys can do. Some guys playing different roles like Fulmer in the bullpen. I just want to see what happens. And and that's, what's fun. You got to find your fun when your team's rebuilding and the tigers are giving me things to find, putting guys in positions to do something different, maybe make a difference. And maybe they don't. Who cares? They were going to lose a bunch of games anyway.
0: Yep. They got a good young core. And like you, as a baseball fan, looking forward to see them grow together. And, and they'll be contenders before long. You, you see, Scott. So, and, and you're talking about fun when it comes to baseball. How about that no-hitter by Joe Musgrove on Friday night? Great story. The San Diego native throws the first no-no in Padres history. I'm wearing my Padres jersey. Old school Dave Winfield on the back uh, in honor of the Padres. His catcher, Victor Caratini, has caught baseball's last two no-hitters, Scott. The last one was thrown by Cubs pitcher Alec Mills.
1: Yeah, I think he's the first pitcher in history to throw, to catch the, to catch two no-hitters, like the two consecutive no-hitters on different teams. Because this is baseball and we've got stats like that. These Mm -hmm. very obscure stats that have somehow not happened in 200 years. But you know what? I still love it. You know, I I love the Friars. Despite them having Tatis on the IL right now, there's still a lot of excitement there. They've got a lot of moving parts that they can make this work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lord knows that we've been waiting for something from Joe Musgrove to get excited about. Because every offseason, it seems like for the last few years, we've gotten excited. And now he's given us something, right? We're probably Mm going to take it too far, but who cares? This is April. (laughs) We take things too far. That's what we do right now. And that's okay. It's fun.
0: That's what we're supposed to do in April. So you look at his line, obviously no hits, no walks. Uh, I believe he hit a batter. Otherwise, it would have been a perfect game. But he threw nine four-seam fastballs, and that's it. (laughs) 30% of his pitches were a slider, 47% whiff rate on that slider. And like you said, we've been waiting. We keep on waiting for something to break for for Musgrove. Finished last season strong, 2.16 ERA in his uh, final 25 innings last season he's been throwing his cutter more since uh, late last season and like i mentioned using that slider a lot more and scott a lot of pitchers have a lot more success when they rely on their secondary pitches you don't need a blazing fastball every start
1: yeah not these days right like Mm -hmm. what a sign of the times that you can have a guy throw that few four seam fastballs in a no hitter Right. right like that's It's like the epitome of modern pitching right now, that you could do that, and it's exciting to see, and I'm very curious to see what the next percentage of four-seam fastballs will be in the next Mm no-hitter.
0: Absolutely. So let's uh, take a look at some news that's been happening over the past week. You talk about your Tigers. I'll talk about my Yankees for a second. Uh, Aaron Judge was in the lineup on Saturday, but had set out the last two games due to soreness in his side and th- those two games were sandwiched by a day off it was a weird thing because scott because i was watching aaron boone yankee manager his press conference and he wouldn't really say that judge was was injured he, he kind of got a little flustered when a reporter asked him and then you know he sat out again uh, like i mentioned on friday and but he still took batting practice but I'm this guy scares me <laughs> and I love him. He's one of my favorite Yankees, but the injuries, they, they just keep coming. I mean, needs to do more yoga and stop lifting the weights.
1: I lift things up and put them down. Yeah. Well, you know, on one hand, that's a lot of side that could possibly get hurt. Right. The guy's like seven foot two. I mean, he's not seven foot two, but he might as well be seven foot two. He's just giant. There's a lot of oblique there to injure a lot of side to get sore. It, it was very interesting how the Yankees talked about it because it almost sounded like someone was trying to pin them down. Like, are you breaking up with me? Well, no, <laughs> I, what I'm doing is <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was really weird to see how they, they talked about it. And I guess all you can really do, I mean, this is like the story with Aaron Judge. All you can really do is see if he goes on the IL or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because if he's active, you got to keep putting him in your lineup. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it yeah. stinks if you're a weekly owner because you got to find out you know, is he going to be playing it all this week? Are they going to end up putting him on the IL? We've seen some guys sit around and be hurt and then not go on the IL till later. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like Chris Martin, the reliever for the for Atlanta. Same thing has happened. He's been day to day for a while and then he goes on the IL retroactive, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully we get some clarity. But until we do, if if I drafted Aaron Judge, he's got to be in my lineup unless yes. I've somehow accumulated just a ton of outfield bats to replace him in like a three outfield league. Then maybe, but still, that's an extreme example. You got to keep rolling him out. So hopefully he's okay. Seeing him take batting practice is good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll just see what happens over the weekend. By the time folks are listening to this, maybe we have news. Maybe we don't. Yeah, Yeah, he
0: actually was in the lineup today. So that's good news. But you just worry what's going to happen tomorrow and today being Saturday. So let's just hope that he's ready because people are going to be listening on Monday. And you're right. You're going to have to put him in your, you know, if there's a chance that he's going to be active, you know, he's got to be in your lineup. So it's just a tough, tough spot there. And another former Yankee, James Paxton, was one of these guys that was going fairly late in preseason drafts. Pitches just 1.1 innings this season and looks like he's headed for Tommy John surgery. He's going to receive a second opinion this week. Uh, hopefully that means that, you know, feel bad for him, but uh, he's just been another guy that's been injury prone. Uh, hopefully, this means though that we get to see Logan Gilbert a little quicker.
1: Yeah, that's really the only bright side here. You hate to see it happen to Big Maple. It was cool to see him go back to his to his team in the Mariners, and it's a huge bummer, right? Like you weren't relying on him for your for your fantasy dreams. You know, he wasn't what you you know really pinned your hopes and successes on. But he's been a good pitcher for a long time, and it's a team that really needed some guys to throw some innings. So they didn't have to push some young arms into more service than they wanted them to have. But in the meantime, I don't think it means that Logan Gilbert's necessarily coming up right away, but it may accelerate that timeline. Like you're suggesting just because there's a finite number of arms. They even have to Mm -hmm. throw innings. It doesn't really like you can lose players and you can lose these pitchers, but these teams still have to throw the same number of innings that they would have anyway. So they've got to find a way to do that. And I think it's a good reason to bring Logan Gilbert up maybe a little earlier than you otherwise Mm -hmm, might've moving
0: on more COVID news. Blue Jays outfielder Teoscar Hernandez was placed on the COVID IL on Friday after coming into close contact with someone outside the organization who has the disease. So he did not test positive, but he came in close contact. And of course uh, the story with the nationals so far, their closer, Brad hand and starting pitcher, Patrick Corbin have been brought back from the COVID IL list, but we still have Josh bell, Josh Harrison, uh, outfielder, Kyle Schwarber and starting pitcher, John Lester still on the COVID IL list.
1: Yeah. We're really seeing sort of two things happening with, with COVID right now. On one hand, We're seeing that we're not out of the woods yet. We're still having players hit the IL because of COVID. It's unfortunate. I hope these players end up being okay. It looks like most MLBers have been fine, although, of course, we had some stories from last year where guys like Yohan Mankata didn't recover fully. So we're not out of the woods yet. Um, You know, one fun thing about my Tigers is they're all vaccinated. They were able to get vaccinated, so there's less risk for COVID on the current major league roster, but guys are going to come up from the minors. I don't know if they're all vaccinated or not. So that's one thing. On the other hand, we're also seeing guys go on the COVID IL because of vaccine related symptoms, right? So this is actually Lord's Gurriel, where Teoscar, it was really scary for me because I saw Teoscar go on the COVID IL and I didn't really read up on it. The next day, Gurriel Jr. goes on the COVID IL and I'm like, Oh my God, what's happening? Is there about to be a breakout? Now Gurriel's in because of COVID related. COVID vaccine related side right. effects. Right. And Ted Oscar is in because he's a close contact. So mm-hmm. that's better than a full team breakout. We haven't, other than the Nats from a plane or whatever, we haven't seen that so much, but mm-hmm. you're not in the woods and this can happen to anybody at any time. Yes. So, you know, that's the one thing I really want to stress to folks is there's not some pattern here. It's going to pop up and it's going to decimate a team mm-hmm. for a short time and you got to be ready for it. Hopefully your league has just like last year added some IL spots. And if they haven't, it's going to put you in some rough roster position some rough roster crunches because I mean, I've I've got a couple leagues like this where I only had two IL spots and I had several guys that are all sitting. Hmm. And and it's rough and I'm I'm kind of hoping I can ride it out and the one nice thing we have here is that it's April. It's been 10 days. It's okay right like you can come back like you're you're going to have these kinds of rough stretches in a season the only reason it feels worse right now is that it's the only stretch you've had so far so it's okay it's all right don't panic
0: yet we're, st- we're still at the point where your fantasy team could go from worst to first in a week
1: always remember
0: if you ain't first you're last in the standings you know the uh stats are changing that quickly. And
1: I've had TGFBI guy, days yeah. where just, I think yesterday, I gained 11 and a half points. <laughs> 11 and a half roto points in a yeah. day. One mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's where we are right now.
0: And you mentioned Guriel being on the uh, IL for uh, the vaccine-related side effects, and Gio Urshela uh, was on the same same thing. He went on the COVID IL. I think for a day, I think he's back. But he, you know he had you know, severe enough Side effects from getting the vaccine, where he needed to take a day or two off. So, uh, but you're right; it's we're not through with this, but there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I think we're going to be okay. So, Shohei Otani missed his start uh, on Sunday. Remember, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, but you're listening to this uh, Monday, and uh, and. You might even be downloading it after Monday, but Shohei Ohtani uh, still dealing with the blister, which you know, like I mentioned, uh, forced him to miss his start and will affect his pitching. But he's still able to swing a bat, so he'll still be in the lineup there, Scott.
1: Yeah, and he's still real good against right-handed pitching. Right? He's still hitting. <laughs> he's still hitting the ball well. It is not impacting his hitting. Right. So, you know, if you're in one of those leagues that you have the one Ohtani, the the dual Ohtani. Um, I think you're fine, right? you're just gonna keep him in the util spot instead of thinking about putting him at pitcher and at least the at least the angels have been very clear and broadcasting what the plan is. It's mm-hmm. not like they scratched him the day of and now you can't get anything from Otani. it's they told us in advance and it makes sense why they're playing it safe with Otani. They have so many reasons to play it safe with him because of the promise, the upside, the money, all of it so, I'm not super concerned that he's missing the start because of the blister. Because quite frankly, if he was in any kind of discomfort, you know, if he had a hangnail, they might've been like, should we, should we delay this? Should we push it? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's, it's rough. So, you know, I'm one handed stinks. I want to see more games where the same batter has the hardest hit ball, the fastest pitched and the farthest hit ball. Right? That was like, amazing. All of it.
0: That was last I, Sunday. Yeah.
1: I, I, I don't know the last time that's happened. I actually did some research and I've seen, Cindergaard got close once, but he didn't quite have the hardest hit ball. Otani did it all. I'm real excited. Look, he's going to miss some weeks from pitching, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he's going to keep hitting. So you're still getting value here. And that's sort of the beauty of him being that two way player. You get value either way, right? He's a real good hitter, he's a legit fantasy hitter. And they showed even last season that his pitching is not going to take away from his hitting. So, I mean, that's what you can really hang your hat on and feel comfortable about Otani if you're a believer like me, like a devout believer.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we'll move on. The Arizona Diamondbacks having some injury issues with their bullpen. Joaquin Soria to the IL with a strained calf in his left leg. And uh, Diamondbacks, one of those teams that didn't name a closer, they were going to choose their pitching matchups in high leverage situations in the late innings based on matchups. So, uh, but Soria, a former closer, I'm sure he was going to get a lot of those save opportunities. And then they go and they start giving Chris Devensky a couple of save opportunities early on. But then he goes on. I, I think it's like a, a he's on the I.L., but it's for personal reasons. It, it's not COVID related. So uh, Arizona's really having to juggle that bullpen. And you have uh, Stefan Crichton, who saved five games for them uh, last season, wasn't really used so far this year in high leverage situations, but I think he's logical choice for some save opportunities. You got Kevin Ginkle in the mix and I was doing a little research. Uh, got to look at this guy, Matt Peacock who they just called up uh, that manager Tori Lavulo really likes throws a sinking fastball, which induces ground balls also throws a slider and a change and a, a quote from Lavulo uh, that Peacock attacks the zone as three quality pitches and he's fearless. Fearless, to me, is a great quality for your closer to have.
1: Yeah, Arizona's just really a mess right now. We're not just talking about the fact that, you know, their, their starting pitching has been a mess. Bumgarner's not been good. Kelly's not been good. The bullpen has been really interesting, and it was interesting to hear about Chris Davinsky, because before we had Devin Williams and, and some of these other guys, it was Chris Davinsky. He yes. was the middle reliever that everybody wanted. He was winning all these games with the Astros, uh, yeah, And you're right, he is on the restricted list, which is different from the IL in that there's not a minimum stay. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how long he's gone. I, I don't know what exactly the personal reasons are, and, and I kind of take the position that it's none of my business. I hope he's sure. back soon and that everything's sure. fine. Uh, I think right now, it's hard not to feel like is the is the de facto closer right now. But like you said, the Diamondbacks have no reason to name a single closer. There's just, they're not going to be super competitive this season. They, you know, on one hand, they did get Cole Calhoun back a little sooner than I thought they would, but getting Cole Calhoun back doesn't make you a playoff team. That's just not how it works. You know, they're, they're two, three, four of Calhoun Walker Peralta is just not that good. It's, you know, it, they're, they're great guys. I'm sure they're, they're fine mm-hmm. baseball players, but that's not a two, three, four, not, especially not in the NL West against the Padres, against the Dodgers. That's not going to work. So while I'm interested about this closer situation, maybe it's Christian, maybe it's not. I'm also not sure I care in a 10 or 12 team league. I'm just going to avoid it and go elsewhere because none of these guys are so good that they do something besides get you saves. It's not like they're like an elite arm where if they don't get you saves, at least they'll get you two or three strikeouts. Right. That probably won't happen here. These are these are regular guys or unknown commodities. So I'm probably moving on. If you're in a deep league, I'd, the speculation I'd make is on Christian, but... He's not going to be cheap because we overpay for relievers at this time of year.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we do. And just before we move off the Diamondbacks, like you mentioned, Cole Calhoun's back. But Ketel Marte goes on the 10-day IL due to a hamstring injury, which is a real shame because he was smacking the ball Uh, when he left. He was batting .462 with two home runs in his first six games. Of course, everyone, and we even talked about him when we did our position uh, breakdowns about him you know, not hitting as many home runs last year compared to two years ago. So looked like he was on his way for a comeback. And, you know, hopefully he won't be on the IL too long. But uh, like you mentioned, Calhoun back, Marte on the IL right now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Marte, I'm rooting for him. I, you know, he was actually probably the biggest miss I had in 2019 because I kept saying, this is just a guy. This is just a guy. He's on a hot streak. And the hot streak lasted all season. And uh, that's when I found out I was wrong. Um, I I don't know how much time he's going to miss. I don't think he'll be on the IL for too long. You know, hamstring injuries are tough because they can nag you a little bit, but man, it was nice to see him hitting the ball. Well, Mm -hmm. and hopefully this is more like a two week thing than it is a month or two month thing. And, you know, until then, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about them later in the show. There are some middle infielders that you can use to replace him in your lineup. Short term, you're going to want Marte back sooner rather than later, of course, but there are some options out there. Several. In fact, that if you throw some bids out there uh, or just look at your waiver wire, they'll be out there and you can get them to fill in and keep you, you know, treading water until Marte can come back.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Dodgers
1: having some issues.
0: Mookie Betts uh, has missed the past three games. Like I mentioned, we were recording this on Saturday evening. So he missed Saturday and the two games prior to that with a a sore lower back. Doesn't seem like it's going to be anything long-term. But the Dodgers are being smart. It's early. They have a deep uh, bench, and look, the six and two coming into to Saturday's action. So, sitting him so that it doesn't become a big issue. And then, of course, Cody Bellinger, ten day IL with a, a left calf contusion. Again, doesn't seem like anything too serious. But look, these are two of the uh, top guys in, in fantasy, probably top you know twenty guys, right? But Dodgers deep enough where. They could afford to make sure that these top players of theirs are fully healthy before they have to put them in the lineup.
1: Yeah, they're so good that dodgeritis has now extended to the lineup, right? <laughs> like before it was just a pitching thing, and now it's a hitting thing. They're like, yeah, we can afford to lose a corner outfielder for a little while. Hey, you know what, Mookie, why don't you just sit? Like, how good do you have to be to be like, you know what, Mook, we can go a little while, we'll be fine. Uh, they're really good. None of these injuries sound like they're long term things. It will make some interesting at bats for some of the other guys on their roster that have been buried. You know what? The first guy I think of is Edwin Rios. But at the end of the day, I mean, none of this is really actionable news. You're not going out and adding Edwin Rios for, you know, 10 days unless he really starts raking. But even then Cody Bellinger is going to come back. It's a bruise, right? That's all a contusion is, is a bruise. So he'll be back. Mookie will be back. The fantasy world will continue to spin and the Dodgers will continue to sit guys when other teams might've played them. And who am I to complain? The Dodgers keep going to the World Series, right? So, uh, you know, what are you going to do?
0: And, uh, you know, we're talking about these injuries not being too much, too long-term. Uh, so now we get to Fernando Tatis, who, in case you've been living under a rock, Fernando Tatis has a, a partial labrum tear. And the seriousness of the injury seems to depend on who you're listening to because Padres' uh, team president says that uh, Tatis doesn't need surgery. And actually, Padres manager, Jace Tinger, said that he could come off the IL as soon as this Friday. Then you have David Sampson, who is the former president of the Marlins, who hosts a podcast for CBS, and he says, no, this is a, an injury that's going to require surgery. But I guess the good news about this is that the injury to his shoulder is not the throwing shoulder, so it's not like he's going to continue to you know, have to use it, you know, keep on that, that throwing motion. But it is concerning, and this is something that we talked about before the season started when Tatis had that little uh, injury during spring training. So uh, another thing you have to worry about is, let's say he does come back off the I.L. this Friday. What kind of a player are you getting back? I mean, are you getting that Tatis who plays with reckless abandon? I mean, you saw the way that this injury took place. He was just swinging a bat. I mean, is he going to be gun-shy now?
1: You ever asked a 22-year-old to calm down? How's that worked out for you? Told the 22-year-old to take it easy. That's not what 22-year-olds do, right? And the other day, you got to remember, this is a 22-year-old guy. And, you know, I don't know how many games he's going to play. If you go and look at the projections, they've got him at 100 games now, right? And that's a bummer. Although, you know, 100 games of Fernando Tatis Jr. is still like 25 home runs, 20 yeah. stolen bases, and a 280 batting average. You're still going to get something here. It's not going to be what you hoped. Because in his first 148 games in the league, he has 40 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and a 297 average, right? That's unreal. You're probably not getting 148 games this season, unfortunately. And could he be a little gun-shy? Maybe. But that's not like any other 22-year-old I know, right? Like 22-year-olds I know, they don't take it easy. And we see this all over the league where teams ask guys to take it easy, and they don't. Did Bryce Harper take it easy when he was younger? No. Did Yasiel Puig ever take it easy? No. These players that play hard want to play hard. That's how they became professional baseball players. It's how they got to the major leagues. It's what's made them great. They play hard. They don't, they're don't. they like that friend who you played video games with them and they were kept kicking your butt. You said, hey, take it easy. And they kind of look at you like, how? What does that mean? <laughs> right? That's what these guys are like. So I do think what that might do is make it so that he misses more time than maybe he should. But I do think he's going to play hard when he plays. I think that... Uh, You know, maybe they won't give him as many green lights on the stolen bases, right? Maybe he's less of a 20 to 25 and more of a 10 to 15. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Pure speculation. All I really hope is that he comes back soon. And you're going to have to... The one thing I'm not telling people to do is trade him. Because number one, I don't see how you get someone who could be as good as him. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how that happens. If someone's offering you a top 15 player, go ahead and consider it based on your management style or something like that. But otherwise there's not much you can do about this except be bummed and hope for the best.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I think though, if it doesn't happen this season, it's going to happen later on in his career. And hopefully they'll be able to do it the way that they did it with Cody Bellinger, where he had surgery on his shoulder in the off season and was able to, you know, come back and not miss any time. So, I, uh, you know, it, it is a shame and, I guess another reason why maybe you shouldn't trade him right now is because you're not going to get full value. I mean you're trading away uh someone probably at their lowest value since he's you know been in the major leagues right and so i mean if you're in a if you're in a dynasty league i guess and you and you're kind of uncomfortable about keeping him, you just gotta hope that he puts up great numbers for the rest of the way and maybe you could trade him in the off season you know where you still might get some value off of a good year.
1: Is anyone going to give you Acuna or Soto? If not, you know, I think you hold, you know, I mean, there's, there's a clear tier right there and he's still in it for me. And I think you're, I hate to say you're stuck with him because like being stuck with (laughs) Tatis is a good place to be, but it might be a little rougher in 2021, but just say 22, 22 years old, three months. By the time you're listening, 10 days, Mm. right? Like that's, that's incredible. Right. And, He's on contract still 2034, okay? Like, he's not going anywhere. They are going to do what's best for him, and they'll decide whether or not that surgery. I mean, if there's one team that can fill a middle infield spot with a, an above Major League Replacement level player, it's the Padres. Sure. And, and so, yeah, this is a huge bummer, but I also think it's fairly inactionable. You can't do anything about it. Just be bummed and mm-hmm. don't do anything crazy.
0: Yeah, you know, and you talk about filling the position. You don't replace him, but ha Young Kim, who was a star in the KBO 5-2 player, has been playing shortstop uh, with Tatis on the sidelines. and Pretty big shoes to fill, but he's got some underlying talent.
1: Yeah, and it hasn't been a great start for him so far, but no. he's going to make these adjustments. He's going to be good. He's batting low in the lineup, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. And let's be clear, there's two other middle infielders on this roster sitting that are like bench guys and jerks and profar and Jorge Mateo. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. it was so weird that the Padres re-signed these guys and essentially gave themselves like five middle infielders on the active roster. But here we are. They they lose Tatis for a while. And while again you can't replace Tatis, you can fill in your shortstop slash second baseman with some combination of Jake Cronenworth, Hacion Kim, Jerks and Profar and Jorge Mateo yeah. between those four guys is a serviceable major league middle infield. Yes. And so in fantasy, it's a little messy. I mean, I like Cronenworth the best of this group. And then after that in 12 teamers, I probably don't care because I'm not sure Kim Profar Mateo will be good enough to really justify rostering, especially with some of the other guys we're going to talk about that are middle infielders. But, you know, they're all there. The Padres are going to be fine. Your fantasy team is going to be in a much rougher place mm-hmm. than the Padres are right now.
0: Can't wait to see the Padres play the Dodgers. That's what we're waiting for, right? That's the, the new big rivalry that uh, we're looking forward to see this season, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, it, I hope it's a rivalry, right? It's not a rivalry until the other team starts winning games. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, I hope the Padres can start winning games and make this a rivalry. But until then, it's a potential rivalry.
0: And last news it's non injury related news, but uh, on Saturday, the Yankees announced that they sent down Domingo Herman uh, down to their alternate training site. By the time you hear this episode, I hope that uh, maybe Devi Garcia is going to be on the Yankees' uh, big league roster. Herman, 0 2. Uh, with a uh, 9 ERA and 7 innings pitched this season. has given up four home runs so far. And just wanted to mention that. And speaking of home runs, Scott, there was lots of talk in the preseason about this new ball that baseball was going to introduce. It was going to be a little bouncier, but wasn't going to travel as far, right? So <laughs> I, I, still very early in the season, and I guess we're all curious to see if there's been any change in the overall offensive and majors and you know if you watch the the highlight shows everyone's hitting home runs but of course they're going to show you home runs they're not going to show you uh, ground balls to uh, the shortstop right but uh, just want to give props to Travis Sawchick uh, from the score uh, I'm going to just quote from his article uh, and I just it's called what's the first week can tell us about the rest of the baseball season so let me throw these out to you Scott and then you, you could comment so uh, Baseball wants to reduce home runs and strikeouts, less strikeouts, more balls, and play faster games, right? So on the one hand, if you talk to some of the players who are on the field, like Tyler Glass now, he's saying that there have been some balls off the barrel this year that sounded like no doubters, but have stopped at the warning track. Then you have Charlie Blackman, outfielder for uh, the Rockies. He says a couple of the balls that Trevor Story hit this season that would have been automatic home runs in the past now they weren't home runs yet this year, so. Uh, but it it seems as if it depends on how you look at the data, because in some ways that ball is still alive. I mean, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. If you look this year's first week, and we're just looking at the first week, right? Home run to fly ball ratio is the highest of any season. That began in March or April. We have to throw that in there because we had the season that started in July, right? On the other hand, balls may not be traveling as far, but the quality of contact just keeps on getting better, right? Exit velocity is up, uh, and after the first week of this season, exit velocity off the bat, 89.3 miles per hour. After the first week of last season, it was 87.9. And according to the score article, barrel rate, For the first week of the season was at an all-time high uh but here's the key those barreled balls are traveling an average of seven feet less this season compared to last season which is kind of what they told us to expect right barrel balls are traveling 383 feet this season compared to an average of 390 feet last season so it depends on how you look at it right
1: it does and actually i remember listening to dan dickerson he's the voice of the tigers on the radio excellent radio guy. If you ever have to listen to the tigers and you don't want to watch the, the TV, you know, the TV crew who, you know, are a little hit and miss at times, Dan Dickerson, Jim price. They're excellent. Dan Dickerson was talking about how, you know, these are hand sewn baseballs. All right. Like these are not machine made. They are still hand sewn. And so this, this concept of saying they're going to take seven feet off the baseball while it has shown up in the numbers. You just think like, man, You've got humans making these baseballs. That's amazing. There's, there's going to be variance here. Mm -hmm. There's going to be like, I don't know that I'm even moved by this seven feet. Like (laughs) the only thing I'm taking from it is what you said at the end, which is that is about what they said. But Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you take seven feet off baseballs. How many home runs are we missing? But then there's also the fact that like, you know, hitters right now seem to be a bit ahead of the pitching. You know, they they are hitting the ball real hard all over the place. You know, also, we've got cold weather. It's a little harder to pitch in cold weather than it is normally. So a lot of things to take here. And I'm going to be honest with you. Until I know more, I'm kind of ignoring it. And I know it sounds like I'm just being ignorant. And maybe it is. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) It's blissful ignorance. But I'm just not thinking about it that much because I'm comparing players to each other. At the end of the day, fantasy baseball is not about players versus some arbitrary thing. It's players versus other players. And if everybody's dealing with the same negative effect, then I can kind of toss it out, right? Like it's basic math, right? If both sides have the, have something the same on the denominator, you can take those out. Both sides, you take out that piece of the denominator because they're the same. That's what I'm doing now. So it's... It's something that, you know, I'm aware of, but I'm also just like disregarding entirely. Mm. And so far, nothing's burned me on it yet. It's only been 10 days. Don't get me wrong. But I haven't really been burned yet. And I'm not really expecting to if everybody's dealing with it, which is a little different than the humidor thing. But again, that's another example of something where I don't know all the facts. I don't know all the information. I just have pure speculation. Mm. And so I kind of feel more comfortable throwing it out and just looking at the players compared to each other. Good, good point.
0: And on the pitching side, uh, the article brought up that the average fastball velocity for the first week of the season as at an all-time high of 93.5 miles per hour. And when velocity goes up, spin rate on pitches goes up, and it has gone up in the first week of the season. And that all leads to more strikeouts, which, you know, takes away the the goal of uh, faster pay, pace of play. And a score article also mentioned that another way to increase spin rate on pitches, not only to put extra velocity on it, but to put extra stuff on it, specifically sticky stuff. And uh, baseball's cracked on pitchers. And Trevor Bauer, it looks like they're picking on Trevor Bauer. At least that's what uh, Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, thinks. Because Trevor Bauer has uh, alleged sticky balls, right, according to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, the balls that are being uh, investigated were taken. uh, But they're being investigated all over the place. But for some reason, Trevor Bauer uh, was brought up. And the balls that they took from his game had visible markings and were sticky. Uh, And uh, Roberts was, he felt that he was being uh, picked on. But then he admitted, hey, (laughs) you know, I I know that they're checking other balls. Uh, But uh, Trevor Bauer, interestingly, he had been an outspoken a critic of cheaters, right? Right. And he was very vocal about the Astros pitchers and uh, called the team hypocrites and cheaters. So it'd be interesting uh, if he's the guy that gets singled out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they're looking into him. Yeah. Sure. He's selling t shirts that say <laughs> legalized pine tar, but I just can't imagine why they're going to look into, you know, this one guy. I mean, he's a quiet guy, keeps to himself, right? Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Absolute opposite. <laughs> On one hand, I've never heard the hitters complain about this because I'm thinking if you're a hitter and I'm not a major league hitter, no one thinks that I am, but I'm not one. And all I, but I, all I would think is if you can throw, you know, historically fast, fastballs, right? Like across the league, everyone throws hard, 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 right? Mid nineties is normal. If you can throw that hard, please don't hit me. (laughs) If you need something to give you, it's one thing to have the old spitball the Vaseline ball that that wouldn't spin went all over the place. Like though that kind of pitch is different, right? Because it doesn't move the way a pitch should. When these pitchers are adding things like pine tar, they are exaggerating the movement a little bit, but it's also making sure that they are a bit more accurate, right? Like they've got more traction on that ball with their fingers that they can really control it better. So a lot of hitters, don't really say anything, right? It's one thing if a team is like calling out breaking balls by banging up a trash can, right? That's one thing. Another is, hey, if this gives you a little more control, you know, we talk about pine tar. Another famous one is like bullfrog sunscreen is one that they'll use. Like there's some combination with bullfrog sunscreen, stuff they have in the dugout that makes this really sticky, tacky substance. If it's going to let pitchers throw in this, like throw near the strike zone better instead of letting loose a 90 something mile per hour fastball at some guy's head. I'm okay with it. And I don't care whether or not they're picking on Trevor Bauer. You can't be a guy like Trevor Bauer and not in Trevor Bauer and not get picked on. Like that's the world we live in. If you keep telling everyone let's legalize pine tar, they're going to check to see if you're using pine tar, right? <laughs> like you wear cannabis t-shirts all day and you're in a place where cannabis isn't legal. They're going to maybe check if you have cannabis, right? Like that's that's what they do. So, you know, I- I'm not super surprised by it. But ultimately, I also, again, it's a thing I just don't care about right now because I can't turn it into fantasy stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right. So uh, we do have some data. Uh, Like you mentioned, it's a week and a half into the season. Let's take a look at who's been hot and who's been slumping a bit. So good to see that guys like Mike Trout and Nelson Cruz just doing what they always do, except I don't like to see crews beating up on you, Tigers, so I'm sorry. But uh, we, we've spoken a lot about the the Reds team as a whole last year, just offensively slumping. But now they've been on fire. And as they uh, entered the weekend, uh, the team as a whole has a 310, 391, 580 slash line. And that includes their pitchers, right? And so let's just talk about a couple of these red players. Nick Castellanos, no stranger anyone, on fire, uh, appealing a two-game suspension for showing a little emotion. And I guess uh, that emotion caused some benches to clear, and that's why. But I I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this there, Scott. But I feel that baseball needs more players that show some emotions, right? Get some personality going there. Get fire in the game, no? But uh, entered Friday night's game batting 435. At the time, he led the league with four home runs and nine
1: runs scored. I love Nicky C. I love what What he said during his interviews. Yeah. yeah, Love Nicky C. It was sad to see him leave the Tigers, even though it was the right decision for the ball club to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love Nicky C. I love his fire. I love, I mean, his teammates have got to love him, right? Like all the stuff he said about defending his teammates, you got to love them. And, and quite frankly, right. The reds were really weirdly bad last season on offense. Like, really bad, despite having a lot of really good players and, you know, during, you know, on this show and on many other shows, people have been saying like, they can't be this bad again. And it looks like they're trying to make up for it in 10 games, right? (laughs) Just, just wrecking the baseball for 10 games. This is something this team is capable of, right? Like, I'm not saying they're going to be like this all the time, but there are a lot of really good, but sometimes streaky hitters on this club, especially the guys that make up the middle of the lineup with, with Castellanos and Moose and, Uh, just a lot of these guys, Suarez, they can be streaky. They can be up and down. They're also going to hit a ton of home runs. And when you run into teams like the Pirates, who don't pitch that well in the first place. They are going to unload on you at times. And I'm not saying, again, they're not going to be like this all the time, but they're going to probably be like this again in small stretches later. And it, it is fun to watch. It's fun to watch. I mean, the crazy thing, you know, they play in a ballpark that's conducive to home runs. They have a lot of home run hitters. You have a lot of guys that can really crush fastballs. If teams come in trying to throw a lot of fastballs like the Pirates have historically, they could really get crushed. So if, if there's one main thing I'm taking away from this, especially that series, it's I'm starting every red I can get my hands on when the Pirates are in town yes, or when they absolutely. go to Pittsburgh. PNC ain't that big, right? Like it's big, but it's not 500 feet, you yeah. know? So I'm starting reds all over the place against these guys.
0: Yeah. And we had spoken in preseason about Jonathan India, call them, uh, a sleeper someone that should be on your watch list and so far uh the red second baseman has been as good as advertised uh and first six games of the season 476 batting average 10 rbi but i think we need to pump the brakes a little bit because didn't draw a walk in any of those first six games of the season eventually pitchers will take advantage of that right but you had uh Double digit walk rates in his minor league career. So, you know, it's only six games. But also, breaking balls could pose a problem for him. Uh, he's whiffed on 50% of them so far. And hey, let's face it, like I mentioned, big league pitchers, they're like sharks. If they smell blood, they're going to attack, right? Uh, just like that old Jaws movie. Sh- the
1: shark! The shark! It's going the
0: and if they sense that breaking balls going to give him trouble, he'll start seeing a lot of breaking
1: balls. Absolutely. I mean, this is like a slow pitch softball offense right now. It's just swing as hard as you can at everything they throw over the plate. And you know, the Reds aren't going to be scoring 10 runs a game all the time, right? So, the crazy RBI production for India is going to dry up a bit, right? Because there's not going to be that many guys on base all the time, but you know, he's he's a guy who I think season long the projection is probably something like 17 to maybe 20 home runs like six to eight stolen bases like a 250 average that's a decent player but if you're in like a 10 or a 12 teamer he's probably lower on my list than guys like Arias, Solik, Nick Madrigal, Gavin Lux right and but India you know we've teased it so many times Jonathan India along with a couple other guys like Ty France, Mm -hmm. Donovan Solano these guys that are hot that were maybe last couple round draft picks They are all fine, right? They're decent. But like Ty France reminds me of Starlin Castro in what his final line would be. Not in so much how he plays, but what his final line will be with decent average, decent power, but nothing special. You've got Donovan Solano, who's sort of like a David Fletcher or Luis Arias light, who can hit like 280, but isn't really going to do anything else. You know, He's not going to really provide any power, not going to really provide any speed, but he does have some versatility between India and Solano and France, you're going to be maybe able to fill that middle infield position that you lost from Tatis or mm-hmm. some other second baseman that maybe have been knocked out for you. If you had, you know, Keston Hura, who's really struggling. You need someone to put in while you're a suspension, something like that. Those guys can help you for now. Mm-hmm. Right. And all I'll say is if you're in a shallower league, don't get overly attached to these guys. Cause none of them, I think are difference makers, long-term not Ty France, not Donovan Solano, not Jonathan India. These are deep league plays more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Decent 15-team league middle infielder guys, probably, right? Not even certainly, probably, right? So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say you can trade them because I don't know who's off- making offers for a Jonathan India or a Donovan Solano or a Ty France. But if you think you could grab like a Fletcher who struggled a bit or a Reyes, go for it. Do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, accept these guys for what they are. Not needle movers season long, but needle movers in April.
0: Yeah. Great point. Great analysis. And sticking with the Reds, who is Tyler Naquin? I mean, uh, I I saw he was being talked about in the Discord, the Pitcher List Discord. And look, he's a guy that actually, he's been in the major leagues a few years now. He's been on fantasy teams. Uh, He's been on, on my roster on and off. You know, you pick him up, you drop him, and whatnot and try to, you know, catch a flash in the pan, but uh, rostered in 31% of of fantasy leagues. Look, hit his fifth home run on Friday night. That's five home runs, 14 RBI in his first seven games. Last season had just four home runs in 40. He's going to be 30 years old. He's finally healthy. Good minor league numbers, uh, 287, 357, 430, career minor league slash in eight seasons. Displayed some power and speed in the minors as well. But injuries have, have been a problem for him. He's had ACL surgery, hip surgery, hand surgery, toe injuries. Uh, the the scattering report on him, and uh, they were talking about this in the uh, Discord, and I read uh, an article that supposedly crushes low pitches, uh, especially breaking balls, but struggles with high fastballs. So that, that's, a, that's always been a problem for uh, Little Leaguers, too, right? You, you see that high fastball, you just can't lay off of it. But uh, what do you think about the long-term prospects for Tyler Naquin is I thought it was good when Jesse Winker, who had been out with a stomach bug for a few days, he was back in the lineup on Friday and they kept Tyler Naquin out. How, how do you sit this guy right now?
1: Yeah. So, so Naquin, he's a guy who is interesting in very short spurts, right? Because it's what he does. He he attacks a very certain type of pitch. He's uh, a platoon guy, really, right? Just like the Reds, both the Reds and Cleveland do a lot of platoons. They have a lot of guys that can come in and out. They're very similar teams that way. Like their builds are a little different in that the Reds focus more on power than Cleveland does. But, you know, Naquin comes from this long line of storied platoon corner outfielders in Cleveland. Start, you know, Lonnie Chisenhall was a guy like this. Uh, Jordan Luplo, who hit a home run on Saturday today, uh, is a guy like this. And... He's really neat in DFS and I don't care in 10 or 12 team fantasy leagues. And I probably don't care in 15 team fantasy leagues because when you have a weakness that announcers and people like me and you, Joe, know, that means pitchers in the major leagues definitely know how to get Tyler Naquin out. They maybe forgot for a week and, you know, (laughs) facing the tigers and the Royals makes it easier for, you know, those guys. They're really just trying to like, think about, you know, when you're going up against like, Julio Tehran, who actually didn't start this last week, but he started in the first series. Or, you know, Jose Ureña, they're not really thinking about how do I get Tyler Naquin out. They're like, how do I just stay on this team, mm-hmm. right? How do, I, how do I throw pitches and stay on this team? So I don't care about Naquin. I care about Winker a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Winker's a little more interesting because he's had these high walk rates. We've seen potential in Winker before, but he's also had injury. He's battled. Yeah uh ineffectiveness there are other outfielders in Cincinnati that can take his spot from time to time with Winker. You know, they're not it's not as difficult to find playing time as we thought it was going to be at the start of 2020 mm-hmm. when they had just brought in Akiyama and, and all these other guys, but uh, I want to I want to see him hit towards the top of the order consistently, right? Like if it's just against right handers He's a short-term guy and a platoon guy. If he can start hitting up there all the time in front of these heavy hitters they have in the middle of the order, he starts to become a lot more interesting to me in all formats.
0: Mm-hmm. So Naquin is not somebody you're looking at off the waiver wire right now. You no.
1: Think it's a, no now, okay. right. now, there's there's plenty of other outfielders. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are other foul it, The main reason is because there's other outfielders I'd rather have. Mm-hmm. right? And I won't spend a ton of time talking about like sure. Akil Badu, who I love. <laughs> And I'd yes. rather have right now than Tyler Naquin because mm-hmm. I just think there's more upside there. Another guy I really like, Cedric Mullins, right, who made the big change in the offseason. He went from a switch hitter to just hitting left-handed. And on one hand, you'd think that'd make it worse, but he wasn't really he was hitting well from the right side, right? Mm-hmm. So now he's only hitting on the left side. He's raking. Playing time is open up because the Orioles have had guys go on the IL, like Austin Hayes, that were going to hit in his playing time. I'd rather have Mullins with this power speed upside rather than Naquin who, like, is going to hit the ball hard a couple times against lefties. And then what? Right? Like a righty who hits hard against lefties. That's a dime a dozen. There's a Mm -hmm. bunch of guys like Naquin. You can find Naquins everywhere, but the guys have more upside than that. Like Akil Badu, like Cedric Mullins. Those are the guys I'm targeting. Naquin is just a guy.
0: Mm -hmm. Great point. And Byron Buxton, breakout sustainable. You know what I didn't realize? (laughs) He's been in the majors for seven years. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it's just you, you know, you just you, you talk about this guy, and we're waiting for him to break out. Entered this weekend uh, at some point, tied for the major league lead in home runs with four. But uh, obviously, now we we mentioned Naquin has five. Seven of his first eight hits this season have gone for extra bases. We've seen a, a big jump in exit velocity compared to last season. This season, it's ninety-seven point three. Last season, it was ninety-one point two. Is this the breakout that we've been waiting for?
1: No, but that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to break out. Mm -hmm. The breakout we had been waiting for was this 25 home run, 40 stolen base guy, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's what we were waiting on. And I don't think that's what Byron Buxton is anymore, right? Beat writers, folks over at the athletic, they've been talking about how he's sort of changed as not only in his approach. And I mean, if you actually listen to Byron Buxton in his interviews, he's had post game. He talks about some really interesting things like, he had a, a game recently where after he hits this home run, and afterwards, they're like, Oh, you know, how'd you do it? And he goes, This time I went up there. And he, he talks about this like he's never done it before. And it's like, I was sitting slider, and I waited for the slider, and I found the slider, and I hit it hard. And when you hear him talking about it, you're like, You you really haven't been doing this before, have you? Right? <laughs> You've been relying on this raw athleticism. And if you remember, I mean, Joe, you probably remember this more than I do, but, but back in the day, we used to think of like 26 to 28 as a player's peak. Right. Right now we think like twenty-seven was a
0: magic number that uh, fantasy writers would write about. Yeah. Yeah. 27 years
1: old. Yes. These days it's like 24, right? We're like, Oh, he's 24. He's got to be up. He's got to be ready because we keep having these guys like Tatis and Soto come up when they're like 15 Mm -hmm. and like they go from the little league world series to hitting home runs. Right. Well, like there's a reason that it was a little later because your physical peak probably isn't that age, but mentally, these guys learn so much. Buxton has so many plate appearances in the major leagues that he's really I think starting to turn that corner. And while I you know I said Byron Buxton isn't going to be the breakout we wanted him to be. I do think he's going to break out. The reason I say it's not what it's going to be is because in his last 45 games, he has 3 stolen bases. That doesn't project super well. But what if he's more like a 30 home run, 15 to 20 stolen base guy? rather than this like 2040 guy. Right? That's okay. That's still a really good player. Again, yes. it's not what we thought he was going to be one year ago, two years ago, three years ago. But it's an awfully good hitter and I still think it's a win, especially yes. because the price was finally a little more manageable this mm-hmm. last offseason. So, I like Byron Buxton, but again, not as the 2540 guy, more like a 30 home run, 15 to 20 stolen base guy. And that's a heck of a player, especially where you drafted him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Now let's take a a look at a couple of the players that have been slumping. You mentioned Keston Hiura, who coming into Saturday's action uh, had one hit and 23 at bats. That one hit was a double. Uh, came into Saturday with a 45.8% strikeout rate, actually hit a home run and I think a double on, on Saturday. Definitely had two hits. So uh, trying to say how he's slumping, and all of a sudden he gets two hits on Saturday. But uh, the 45.8% K rate is very concerning, especially uh, you know with his problems with strikeouts uh, last season, trying to rebound from last season's slump. And then it doesn't help, I guess, that he went from being a second baseman to having to learn to play first base, I mean, you hear, in my opinion, you just hear too much uh, about oh, you know, this guy he's having problems at, at this particular position. We we'll just throw him at first base. First base is not that easy of a position to learn to play, right? I mean, Buck Showalter's been on the MLB Network, and I think it was he who said it that in, in the infield, you know, other than the pitcher, right, and the catcher, I mean, the first baseman's in on just about every play, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, unless you're hitting the ball real well, the first baseman's <laughs> probably getting some work, you know? So, and if you think it's that easy, go try to teach a little kid to play first base, right? Mm-hmm. My son's in little league. Go teach those kids to play first base. See how that goes for you. Right. Mm-hmm. There are mental things you're doing on this game. You're always having to remember to go back to the bag, you're trying to make these catches way out in front of your body. Look here. He doesn't look good. I mean, today he looked fine at the plate, but he's not looked good. And it's not just been bad luck. And it hasn't just been breaking balls. He's really been missing on everything. I do think he'll adjust. And maybe we're seeing a little bit of that right now. I mean, I'm not going to say one game is proof he's making an adjustment, but he is going to make adjustments. He is going to go through these ups and downs. He's still a real young player. He's not 27. We were just talking about Buxton. Yeah. Here is not 27. He's much younger than that. He has a good hit tool, but he is struggling. I think it might be with pitch recognition, but I'm not entirely sure because I'm not in his head. I'm not his pitching coach. I don't know. But (laughs) the way he goes through some of these slumps, he is struggling with things. He is going to adjust, I think, though. And at the end of the day, the power speed and despite the strikeouts, the hit tool that we've seen for so long with Hira in the minors and as he's coming up, those are so good that any bad news about Hura right now to me is inactionable. I don't care. Right? He's gonna go through weeks where he looks terrible. And then he's gonna go through weeks where he put his whole he put your whole fantasy team on his back. Mm-hmm. He's a young player. That's what they do. It's okay. Don't worry about it. The only reason we care so much is because it's easy to isolate because they're the only stats we have.
0: Yeah. Josh Rojas. Do so we need to be a little bit more patient with him? Started the season two for twenty seven. Uh, eligible second base shortstop, outfield. If you're looking for a positive note from him, 10% walk rate, manageable 23.3% K rate. I don't think you should be starting him, but is it okay to to hold on to him for another week or two, or is it just a case of hey, you know, you, it's time to drop him?
1: In NL only, sure, mm-hmm. hold him all you want. I don't care. If I'm in a 12 team league or a 10 team league. No, right? This is a late round draft pick. This is the, it's, I like this juxtaposition because Hura is a guy you invested in. You used a real high draft pick to get that guy. You wrote in those 30 home runs, those 10 to 15 stolen bases into your stat sheet. You need them. Whatever you wrote in for Josh Rojas, you can replace on the waiver wire. I guarantee it. I was never a huge believer in Rojas, even though a lot of people that are much smarter than me were into him. So I'm not saying he's not good or that I know anything that those people don't. But one, I'm worried that, you know, they tried him at leadoff. It has not worked. And then they've started putting him like towards the bottom of the lineup. I don't want a guy hitting at the bottom of the Arizona lineup. It's not that good, right? <laughs> and then there's a pitcher in it, right? Mm-hmm. Bumgarner might be their next best hitter, right? But He, he, he pitched it the other day, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's not, he's, he's not going to be the pitcher every day, right? Like Merrill <laughs> Kelly's not going to bring you home. He's not helping you advance the bases. So Rojas is at that level where – and I've talked about this on this podcast, other podcasts, he was one of the last few guys you added, right? One of the last few draft picks you made. Those guys are fine to cut. Go cut Josh Rojas if a guy like Ty France is out there. Go cut him if a guy like Jonathan India is out there who's hitting right now, who can help you right now, right? And let Rojas go. I'll be real with you. You'll probably get another bite at that apple later if you want it. Or yeah. right now, don't, don't like – I know we say, you know, as much as I say that, April doesn't matter. It's not hurting your team. That's why we're talking about the good players, the guys that are really going to make a difference. Josh Rojas might have never made a difference. That's why you got him in the 25th round, mm-hmm. right? You got him in the 25th round because we all recognize that he might not make a difference, and he's not right now. So let him go and go get something better. And if you want him later, go get him later, right? But if you're in a league, especially if you got tight benches, you can't hold guys like this. You can't get too attached to these guys. Be attached to Kesson Hura if you want. Mm-hmm. Don't be attached to Josh Rojas because there are better players right now that you can go get right now. I mean, like, if you go look at Eugenio Suarez, who's playing on this team, that's scoring a bunch of runs, and he's not doing great, mm-hmm. right? And he's trying to play shortstop. And There's a reason they took him off shortstop when he was a younger man, right? You don't get older, and then all of a sudden you can play shortstop. It's mm-hmm. not how shortstop works. But at the end of the day, you can still hold on to him because he has – Game-breaking potential. He could be a 50-home-run guy, right? That's not an exaggeration. He did that. He can do that. He can be that. That's a difference maker. You hold on to guys who could be difference makers. That's not Josh Rojas. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, maybe he is. Maybe I'm totally missing this. Maybe I'm wrong. But he doesn't look like a difference maker right now, even if he is. You can get someone else and probably leave Josh Rojas out there for a week. I bet he'll still be there if you want him back later.
0: You mentioned Suarez, Eugenio Suarez. Is he is it too early or would you consider him a good buy low candidate?
1: You know, the hardest thing about buying low is nobody wants to sell low. Right? <laughs> we talk about buying smart, low. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to sell low, right? So uh the you know, personally I find that most trades are easier when people think they're selling high, but really you're thinking like you're selling low because it's going to keep going up, like a very Bitcoin kind of thing. People sold Bitcoin at five grand, and you're like, yeah, you think you're selling high. That's as high as it's been so far. It's going to get higher. Mm-hmm. So that's when it's the best to buy. And right now, Suarez, the people that drafted Suarez, they drafted him pretty early. He's, they're going to be listening to podcasts just like this, telling them don't panic. Don't worry about it. So are they going to trade with you? Probably not. Right, it's hard to trade right now. I mean, like I'm in a league where I did a trade. I flipped JD Martinez before he went on the COVID IL for Clayton Kershaw because I lost a bunch of pitchers. I had extra hitting, mm-hmm. particularly that's a league where I've got Otani, who is both Tani, right? Mm-hmm. He can be the hitter or the util. So I needed the util anyway. I only had one util spot. Made sense because I would have done that trade before the season started. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Right. So I'm okay doing those trades. Who's go, what, like, who are you going to trade for Suarez unless you're going to be trading even value, right? And that's not buying low. I'm mm-hmm. fine with trading for Suarez. I'm fine with trading for Suarez with guys that you had ranked lower than him in coming into the season, right? Go ahead and do that because I would have said yes to that a week ago. I'll say yes to that now. Mm-hmm. But no one, if you're out there, you're probably not selling Suarez low, right? Like right now, you know it's low. You know he could hit a bunch of home runs. You know he's going to gain the shortstop eligibility. Who the heck is selling now? Mm -hmm. Right. You got no reason. None at all. So, yes, if you can buy low, please go buy low. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't buy low. It doesn't hurt to put an offer out there. Yeah. I'm just saying it's probably not going to happen. Now, guys who you might be able to buy low are guys where there's a different narrative about what's going on. I'm thinking of like Trey Mancini. So he's coming back from. Run on Saturday. Yeah, Yeah. he's coming back from cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Like, not a slump, cancer, okay? And there's going to be people out there, because this happened in the preseason, right, that are like, I'm worried about Mancini. They were already worried. Go after them. Mm -hmm. They were worried about Mancini. I would absolutely, right now, flip Nate Lowe for Trey Mancini. I think Mancini's a better player long-term, and while Nate Lowe's been hot now, He's hitting so well and still striking out a third of the time or more, Mm -hmm. right? It's not taking any walks. The Rangers just got no hit. Like that offense was going to fall down, right? They couldn't keep scoring runs like that. And we just saw it happen, right? Like they're not actually that good. There's a reason they got no hit. They're not that good. They're going to be prone to this. Mm -hmm. I would make those trades. Those are the buy lows. I want the guys that are, doing poorly and you can sort of create this narrative of why that's happening. You can do that a little bit with Suarez. I guess you say, Oh, well, he's trying to learn shortstop. I don't think that's going to stick. I don't think that's going to fly. Right. Uh, especially with how well his team's been hitting, but a Mancini, you can absolutely make that move. I think people will try it. And if you were able to pick, if you were able to pick up a waiver wire player and trade him for Trey Mancini, I think you've got a chance to win your league. You do stuff like that. That's how you win leagues, those little moves. And they're going to think they fleeced you. Mm-hmm. And let them think they did for two weeks, mm-hmm. right? Because we had 162-game season. That's let them the think they fleeced you for two weeks. Yep. <laughs> go yeah. go get your Trey Mancini. I think he'll be better by the end of the season. No doubt, because that's what I thought before the season started, and I still have every reason to believe that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, last player we'll talk about, and then we'll head out. Uh, Anthony Bass, Marlins closer, but for how much longer? Uh, blown two saves and two opportunities, given up six earned runs and 2.1 innings pitched. Got the kiss of death from Marlins manager Don Manley, saying he's got great stuff and he's sticking with him. If you give me, uh, Garcia's out there, you got to grab him.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard or another. I mean, if you go and look at roster resource, they'll tell you there's four closers in Miami and I'm not sure I buy that. I think it's probably Yimmy Garcia, but again, this is a team that might not win a ton of games, right? I mean, maybe they will, but right now they've only got like four guys in their rotation. They're running like bullpen days every fifth mm. day. This is a team that isn't great at hitting, right? Like they have, you know, Miguel Rojas, Jorge Alfaro, Jess Chisholm at the back end of that at back end of that lineup, and that's fine for a back end. But then when you go and look at the middle, it's like Aguiar, Duvall, and Anderson, and you're like, ugh, yeah, That's not great, right? This is a, this is a team that's deep but not talented in terms of like scoring a bunch of runs. So I don't know how often they're going to need this closer. Right. And on one hand, uh, it, it's fine to have a closer. Who's not on a good team. Right. How many times, like we've already seen it once. We might be seeing it again, Ian Kennedy might end up being a good closer for the course yeah. of the season on a Rangers team. That's not that good. Right mm-hmm. now. He can't save games when they're getting no hit, but they will not get no hit all the time. Right. They might get hit a couple <laughs> times, but they won't get no hit all the time. So I think, but, the reason I bring up Ian Kennedy is because that's sort of where I see the ceiling on Yimmy Garcia and that he could, he might end up being the closer for a bad team. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's the upside. He's not that right now. They've got, again, there's no reason for the Marlins to be overly attached to Yimmy Garcia. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're paying him a bunch of money. It's not like they have any reason to just make him the guy. He's not, he's not that important to them. They don't have a reason to make any of the guys in the back end of their bullpen the guy, right? Like none of these guys are like draft picks or none of them are on huge big contracts. Like they don't have any reason to hold on to any of these guys if any of them struggle. So Ian Garcia is good, but just remember, you're going to pay a premium because April closers cost more money. Yes. In terms of fab, in terms of trade assets, whatever, they cost more money. So if you can get them for cheap, go ahead. It's another guy to throw on your weekly closer speculation ads. Yes, but don't so. get overly attached here because this is Miami. This is not a great team. This is not a great bullpen. This is, go- and, and Jimmy Garcia is not some like dynamite, unstoppable reliever. You're not even drafting like you're drafting for role, not just skill. Because one, role is more reliable, and two, none of these guys are that skilled in terms of like lights out, electric Devin Williams kind of guys, mm-hmm. right? They're not like that. So you're drafting a role that he might have. You're drafting a guy who might be a closer on a bad team. Just keep that in your mind when you're going to type in the amount of that FAB bid. He might be a closer for a bad team. How much money do you want to spend on a maybe closer for a bad team? I'm not saying it's zero. I'm saying it's not much more, right? right, like, <laughs> right. We're, not, we're not talking about 20%. So, like, make a reasonable bet. Keep everyone honest in your in your FAB. If you got to have a closer, there's nothing else out there. Maybe bet – a little extra, but if you're spending 20% of your fab on Yimmy Garcia, I think you're probably yeah. making a mistake.
0: Yeah, that's a bit too much. Great stuff as always from Scott. We're going to head on out of here. Want to thank you for allowing us to visit with you, and we hope that you were informed and, of course, entertained because that's our goal. Are you not
1: entertained? Are you not
0: entertained? You could follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And if you uh, follow at Pitcher List Pods, you'll be informed anytime that a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts that are featured on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a stellar five-star review. Why don't you? And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time.